0: Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Jason Anarchy from Jason Anarchy Games. Jason has published nearly 20 different titles with his newest title, Cheese Factory, in its final two days on Kickstarter. Jason, welcome to the binge. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it is fantastic having you. A fellow Canuck. This is
1: awesome. Yeah, yeah. We're not too far away from each other. That's pretty
0: cool. <laughs> yeah, we're staying off air, like about two hours away, I guess, from each other. So that's, uh, man, it's always awesome to talk to different uh, publishers from around the world. And uh, but it's always cool when you get to talk to somebody that's close to home as well. Uh, yeah. I guess, elf of the room, are you going to be going to Breakout Con this uh, this weekend?
1: Uh, weird thing with Breakout Con, it's the same weekend as Anime North uh <sighs> this year and uh uh every year at anime north i run the all-night D on the saturday okay so there, there's an audience and i and i run a, a D game there and i get the audience involved and everyone's up super late and uh it can get pretty wild and we haven't done it in a while but you know we'll be back this year and we'll be masked and uh i have a murder mystery planned oh, this year. Sounds so awesome. be a, a one-and-done murder mystery game and um you know spoiler alert if anyone's going to this but uh, the audience will be, uh, there'll be one shared character for the audience. They'll be playing okay. an annoying, they'll be playing an annoying sidekick character named Bonzo that will be, uh, constantly annoying the players up on stage, which I think will be great fun for everybody.
0: Oh, that sounds like a blast. Yeah. And just a side note for those who are listening, wondering, Hey, why is, uh, there've been two podcasts this week, like back to back? Why, why aren't they spaced out normally? Again, because we've got Breakout Con, which I'll be at this uh, particular weekend, and we'll be showcasing our games with 10 Robot Games, uh, as well as the Board Game Bench podcast there. Just, it was too much of a crunch at the end of the week, and uh, this happened to line up very well with uh, Jason's uh, Cheese Factory launch. So we put together, this episode will be coming out uh, tomorrow morning. On, if you're listening to it on the audio, of course, you could be watching it live right now. So Jason, you've got a lot of titles. You've been in this, I think, looks like your Kickstarters go back to like 2013 so over a decade in the industry, where did all this begin for you? How did this all start?
1: Um, yeah, uh, so everyone's going to have their own story, but yeah, yeah. The, the way it worked out for me is, um, I don't know I kind of uh, I kind of did the unfun stuff first. I didn't think I would have any kind of career doing anything creative or anything fun ever. Um, so I went to school for business management to get a specific job at the newspaper I already worked at. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and then by the time I had graduated though, they were, all those positions were eliminated and the new jobs they were creating were not desirable jobs to have. So I was kind of like, yeah, that's that's no good. So it's like, um, I was just, you know, looking for something better for a little while. Um, but then at a certain point, um, you know, for my hobbies, for my free time, since I was a kid, I just kind of made games for my friends to play and. D&D campaigns and Hero quest campaigns and, you know, it was just fun stuff that I like to do and I'd always make them really funny. Um, and I didn't think twice about it, but my friends always wanted to play them at any given point, which is great. As a designer, you know, that that turns into a problem of finding playtesters, you know, frequently. Um, but, you know, that's just something we did for fun. And so at a certain point, I looked at it and I was like, our D&D adventures, I bet, are more fun than anyone else in the world right now. We, we, we have such great times doing these. Um, and I was like, maybe we can do something with this. So I had a friend at a wedding where at the end of the night we were drunk on free scotch. And he was like, hey, you're always drinking and playing these RPGs you make. Why don't you make one that incorporates drinking? And then that was like the seed of Drinking Quest, the original drinking RPG, which was my first game. Oh, wow. Um, so so props to my friend Nick for suggesting I do that. Um, so, But at that point, you know, I went to school for business management and I had a bunch of business skills and stuff like that. So I already knew all the, the unfun stuff. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to make this game called Drinking Quest. Uh, and then the other part of it, too, is I'm a, I'm a big fan of punk rock. Uh, and, you know, not the burn the world down stuff, but, you know, think for yourself, DIY work ethic kind of stuff. So it's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll kind of create this business model where it's like I'm a, I'm a touring punk band in the 90s. You know, but instead of CDs, it'll be this, this uh, card game. And, you know, I'll go to conventions and stuff and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. So. Uh, It was a little bit before Kickstarter was in Canada. It was 2011. So I I saved up $6,000 and I'm like, all right, I'll print a small run of games like locally. And, you know, even if it fails, at least I was a game designer once. So, wow. So, so I did that. And then, uh, you know, I ran an ad on Facebook and then it just took off right away. People responded to the ad and I'm like, whoa, somebody in Germany ordered one of my games. This is (laughs) wild. And uh, I've just been riding that high ever since. So.
0: How'd you manage the fulfillment back then? Like, that was like
1: very poorly. I just uh, <laughs> I, so, so I was just doing everything myself. I was sending everything through Canada Post at like these insanely high rates. And, oh, uh, God. Yeah. I didn't print with a specialty card company, I was printed with like a general printing company. And, uh, you know, the cost per game was like 13 bucks. It was like unheard of. It was just insane. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I was making a tiny bit of a profit at first, but eventually I started to figure things out. Uh, and, um, you know, some industry people reached out, like uh, Danny O'Neill from uh, Alliance at the time. Yeah. He's like, hey, uh, you know, we want to put out your game. And, um, you know, I didn't quite understand the significance of a, of a big publisher or a big distributor like Alliance, you know, reaching out at the time. So I actually turned them down at first. I was like, "Nah, that's fine. I'm doing all right. And uh, but then months later, it's like, OK, I think I can get the cost per unit down to a, an amount where it makes sense to ship them to the U.S., uh and then so from there that was a that was a big start of doing like international cons uh danny brought me to my first gen con and i've been doing those ever since as well
0: so were uh, you actually filling to the states from Canada? so although you got a better manufacturing cost you're still fulfilling everything from here
1: uh the business model was do every job myself except illustration <laughs> because I, I i can draw but not on a level that you know people yeah. would want to buy so Um, So, yeah, you know, I I paid an artist and uh, and I I basically still have that model uh, up until pretty recently, where the last couple of years now, I basically have like a a second in command. i have been trading to do all the jobs. So if I don't want to do something, I can I can pay this person to do that, which is nice. So, um, yeah, it's it's been pretty crazy. So the, the goal was always to kind of be again back to like my favorite punk bands you know, the nineties, like fat records and Epitaph were these, you know, small labels, they were incredibly popular, but they weren't really that popular. So it's like, okay, if I can kind of get to that point where I'm at like the top of the underground, I feel like that would be a a nice place to be.
0: So when you, after you finished getting your, your drinking quest game, did that essentially became your full-time job then, or were you still doing other work on the side or.
1: It was, uh, yeah, I still did a, I did a part-time job for about a year. And then after that, it was my full-time job. So yeah, I, I already, um, I started working on drinking quest two right away and then drinking quest three. Yeah. It was like, uh, yeah, 2011, 2012, 2013. And then 2014 I did a box set of those first three games. Um, and then, yeah, I just kept doing a game a year. And then at a certain point it was like, okay, I think I can do two games a year. <laughs> and, uh, so I've just been, just been writing, uh, that momentum ever since.
0: Oh, that's phenomenal. I'm just sharing it on the uh, screen for those who are watching the video. Um, you kind of obviously got a lot of games in your portfolio here, um, but you, you did a shift, right? So there was, I guess, from your Drinking Quest into then, I guess, Haiku Warrior, um, and then you, you had this kind of almost I call it like a hard left, right, going into more um, softer titles, right? Like one uh, pretending to be grown up. Uh, another one you had was, I believe, uh, something about being sad.
1: Oh, your friend is sad. Um,
0: your friend yeah. is sad, but the, the numbers on these were very high, right? Like if I look at, eh, sorry, the people are watching, I'm sure their eyeballs are just spinning now because I'm <laughs> flipping through this real fast, but I mean, almost 6,000 backers on pretending to grow up, right? Uh, or pretending to grown up. Pretending uh, to grown up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when I look at your, um, the one with the sad, I think it was in around 5,000. Yeah. It was almost 5,000 backers on your friend is sad as well. Um clearly that's a different uh, theme and genre than drinking games, right? Oh yeah. What, what made you kind of go take that kind of hard left and say, you know, well, I want to go into this zone. Was there something that kind of inspired you to do that or what kind of pulled you into those, uh, those particular designs?
1: Yeah. Um, well, with, uh, with this model of, of doing everything and just, you know, just being your life the whole time, you know, like it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I can't put out something that, that I'm not excited about. Yeah, and it's like I love the drinking quest universe. That's great, but you know, as a, as a designer, I don't want to be the the drinking guy. You know, and it's like the biggest question I ever get is when are you gonna make Weed Quest? And it's like I will never make Weed Quest. I'm sorry, I, I'm not gonna be the guy with all the vices. And it's like so, as a designer, as a creator, as a as a comedy writer, which uh, um, you know, I I think of myself a bit more than a designer because mm-hmm. uh, I I make funny games. Like that's my brand. So um, I, I. I like drinking quest. I like the 18 plus humor. Um, you know, I, I, I like drinking, you know, not as much as I did 11 years ago, but you know, it's still, you know, I, I believe in, you know, what the game is, but it's like, you know, I just want to show my range and I want to be funny in different ways. And I want, uh, the, the type of game I make, I really, all I do is I just think of my, my usual game group, mm-hmm. um, more so before the pandemic, but, We're a bunch of adults who haven't seen each other in forever, and when we get together, you know, we're just a bunch of dummies, and we've had a few beers, and there have been so many nights where we've opened up a big box game, we tried to learn it for three hours, and we don't play, (laughs) and everyone goes home. So it's like, the the goal has always been, you know, something you you can open, and then learn, and then play in the same night, Uh, and, you know, considering everyone kind of has a low attention span. So it's like I bet I'm not the only group in the world uh, like that, and you yeah. know there 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 are others in that same world. So that's kind of been my my target audience. So so within that, trying to be funny in different ways, uh, you know, with different themes and different games, um, and then with web comics, uh, you know, it's always a different uh, collaborator doing the artwork, and often there's an established you know tone uh, or sense of humor. So I have a lot of fun kind of writing uh, or playing in those different sandboxes, and uh, kind kind of writing humor in that tone. Um, so yeah, basically, you know, I just want to challenge myself, keep doing, uh, things that are different, uh, you know, keep doing things that I'm excited about, Mm -hmm. uh, to keep that going. And ideas are the easy part. It's just execution is everything. I can only do one or two games a year. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I've got, I've got this bottleneck of, of games, you know, in the queue. And it's like, okay, well, if I want to do this, I'm looking at 2024, or 2025, or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a good problem to have, and you know, I'll, I'll take it for sure.
0: So, a game like your friend is sad, right? And uh, about cheering up a sad friend. To me, from the outside looking in, seems like it's it's focused on um, a, a game that's kind of meant to kind of help people, right, or to to teach social skills so to speak uh, with even younger people and so forth. Was that the intent? Cause that seems like that's kind of outside of come up with some funny ideas and some, some cool sure. things. Like it seems like it's a very specific focus on it, which obviously has clicked yeah, right, quite well. Yeah. Um, no. where, where did that come from? Like that idea came from somewhere, right?
1: I, I think there is a benefit in the sense that it normalizes that everybody is sad and it's okay to talk about it and yeah. to exist but I feel like that's a secondary feature of the game. So we do have a series page in the rule book uh, that was written by, you know, someone that's, you know, an expert in the field kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, uh, it, I was working with, with Shen who did the artwork for that game. And he's kind of, he's got a lot of like popular meme comics yeah. uh, and he very commonly, you know, does themes of depression and things like that. Um, and uh, so we agreed on the theme of, okay, it's a game about cheering up a sad friend. We're like, okay, how do we make that funny? And we just kind (laughs) of so there's 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 a few different kinds of cards and they're funny in certain ways. So you got your cheer up cards that depict, uh, you know, Shen, who is the nameless, sad friend in the game. But and his his friend that's trying to cheer him up is just this featureless character that's always super happy on the card. And Shen is always just, you know, plain sad on the card, but in all these ridiculous situations. So it's it's the same beat, but it's interesting in how we frame it on every card um and then the other card is uh the the other type of card are are life cards so uh shen had these comics where he depicts life as this big purple buff dude that's just always trying to kick your ass and um it's we got those and it's just the sad friend is there but then life is this big mean you know imposing bully on each card but they're doing silly things like go-karting or eating ice cream uh and things like that but life's always just making it worse in some way on the card um but then the, the conceit of the game is, you know, the, the game has a wooden turn marker with a sad friend face on it. So the whole game, you're passing this around. Mm-hmm. But whoever wins, whoever's the first to get 20 cheer points, they can flip over the token, and he goes from being slightly sad to slightly happy. So it's, uh, you know, it's kind of, a, again, it's a funny beat because it's like, oh, we've done all this for kind of this this small thing. But often that's how it, it works like that. So the, the goal of the game wasn't to do anything educational per se, but the, the feedback from it has has just been amazing uh you know people saying they can relate to this and they're yeah they're so happy it exists and things like that um because you know it's uh you know they're you know we just made it from scratch it wasn't based on anything i guess there wasn't anything like that before um so yeah it's it's uh, amazing when people say things uh, like that at conventions and you yeah. know, because of covid we haven't even done a lot of conventions with it but you know uh, this past uh well, march i think it was at pax east it's like the the feedback was incredible so yeah um, so yeah I've, I've got a few in the coming months so yeah hopefully uh, people continue to like it after that
0: <laughs> and then cheese factory where the idea for cheese factory come from
1: okay yeah so totally switching tones here so working with tiny <laughs> snack comics I, I love tiny snack comics uh and all these web comic games they usually aim for something 14 plus so yeah. freaking quest is always you know 18 21 plus uh so these games i'm kind of going for edgy light a little bit so um with Tiny Snack Comics, a very different tone. He's got a lot of really bizarre kind of off-brand kind of jokes where, you know, things, you know, aren't quite right. We've done a previous game called Heck that uh, had a lot of, uh, you know, snakes in it. You know, he's Tiny Snack Comics. Snakes or snacks, however you want to say it. Um, and in that game, there was like a bidding mechanic. Everyone had like a tiny screen. Um, and one of the screens depicted a cheese factory and all these snakes working at a cheese factory. Mm. And um, the, the, the idea was great. And then when I got it back from from Alex uh, a Tiny Snack, he had all these great little inside jokes on the screen. And one of them was this like lame looking snake that was like a a 50-year-old male pattern baldness with a mustache, like manager with a (laughs) frown on his face, looking at the workers and kind of frowning. And there was a sign under him that says, uh, that said, it has been zero days since cheese fire. And uh, I always thought that was a really good joke. And then at, at some point in my head, I was like, we got to make a cheese factory game that has cheese fires in it somehow. <laughs> so, so that was kind of the mission statement. And then it kind of bounced around for a few years. And then it eventually got done. And um, it, it it turned into a game where you have all these like Dr. Seuss-esque kind of machines with uh, different kind of powers basically to make the cheese. And you're mm-hmm. trying to be the first to to make 20 cheese points worth of cheese. Um, but the fun is how your your unique cheese factory plays out every time because everyone's going to have the ability to do something different. They always stack differently. Uh, But then you can can also start cheese fires on your friends' machines and destroy them. So there's a little bit of uh, kind of vindictiveness uh, in there. Uh, Depending on the group, there's different ways to play. Um, And then because Tiny Snack is so good at drawing these off-brand characters, you can choose a different, you know, cute animal chef that is kind of derpy and weird looking. But uh, the the artwork's very appealing, and uh, it was a lot of fun to work on.
0: It's definitely cute. I'm sharing on the screen right now. So we've got... I guess you have your three decks, right? You've got your uh, giant, I guess it's the, the the snake cheese deck. You've got the recipe yeah, yeah. deck and then you the the machine craft
1: deck. Craft deck, recipe machine.
0: Yeah. yeah. So how do, you, how do you play this game? If you're going to describe to somebody uh, kind of the overview of how you play this game, how would they go about playing this
1: game? Yeah. So the actual gameplay, uh, basically there's like a common market and there's like available cards at any given time. But every turn you have three actions to make your cheese factory. Uh, So you can use your actions to build a machine for the listed number of actions. Uh, You can take blind craft cards, which give you ingredients to make cheese, uh, or possibly other fun bonus cards like cheese fires. Uh, If you take an ingredient that's face up, uh, that costs two actions, but you know what it is, and maybe you're going for something specific. Uh, And then basically, you look at the recipe cards, and you're trying to match those ingredients to make either that slice or wheel of cheese. Uh, And the whole game is just nonsense. We didn't do any research about cheese. There's no real cheese in it. Everything's just ridiculous. Um, So you just, you know, you'll you'll be using these ingredients to make a single slice of cheese, for example, uh, you know, or a whole wheel of cheese. Um, Strangely, with this game, I've gotten some of the angriest internet comments I've ever gotten from people that are pretty familiar with cheese making. (laughs) <laughs> um so i i i apologize you know i'm sure there's a, a a real cheese making simulation out there that someone can make one day uh but this is not it we just wanted to make a fun game and we thought that would be a pretty funny uh title and theme
0: and when you're making these different recipes so is it like you're making sets and you're placing those down to score your points is it more like a deck builder like how, how does that mechanic
1: work yeah so it's like engine building with the machines to get better at you know so it, might, might, might give you an extra action or you know make you better at doing something else uh and then the recipe cards have a set number of ingredients you know it's like hand management and then you're you're matching what's there to cash in and collect those points kind of thing
0: i got you and i i just want to say congratulations on i mean i'll put this in canadian dollars we're both canadian so we can finally yeah. <laughs> be on the same page of what the number yeah. says, but uh, usually I'm talking to uh, to American or European uh, guests, and their numbers don't match what I see because I can only see what uh, pops up here in Canada. But almost fifty thousand, uh, you guys are hitting funding uh, on this. You. So congrats on that. That is awesome on a, a goal of twenty thousand. Uh, you are in your final forty-two hours. Um, you got to be pretty excited and pretty happy with where you've landed on this. I oh, guess, huh?
1: yeah, yeah. Well, we've unlocked eight of the nine stretch goals, so there's one left. Um, but like, like already, like the game is so much better than it would have been. So it's yeah. like, you know, box quality, card quality, everything's covered in linen. We added four extra characters, so now there's eight. Um, the final stretch goal is uh, everyone gets a sticker of this kind of fan favorite character named Boots the Unicorn. So Tiny Snack Comics, again, I, I can't uh, just overstate how good he is at drawing like, derpy off-brand characters so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like this frumpy unicorn that was wearing shoes and i was like oh can we put this guy in the game we'll name him boots and he's like okay and then uh yeah so we uh yeah we'll give everyone a, a free sticker of that guy uh because it's like a, it's a it's a small game but there's a lot of content and then at a certain point it's like okay well i think the game's the best it can be we'll start throwing in a few freebies of stretch goals and then uh, you know throw that on your laptop and it's a fun extra to have
0: Let's try to find the image there. So I see Bootsy Unicorn. So he's got the little red boots. Is that the oh, guy?
1: Yeah. yeah, that's him. Yeah, he's <laughs> got like the, the flowy rainbow mane and everything. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So with a game like this, um, you know, hitting 50,000. And when I was going through like your, your history of the games you've launched, you've been very, fairly consistent, right? Like when you see campaign yeah. to campaign, you guys... Are doing quite well and consistently well and you know it's it's a cool thing to see because what it tells me is that you've kind of a you've, you've you've nailed probably your your audience and your following and you've established um you know your your fan base but you're also probably now from I don't want to say formulaic, but you've, you've come up with a model for creating these campaigns sure. the Business you, strategy, yeah. yeah, that you're carrying over from, from campaign to campaign. Is there anything specific that you would say that if there's someone out there that's working on a campaign of their own, that they should definitely do. And this is something you make sure you try to do uh, with each game that you launch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's probably a few things. Um, first of all. Um, so know what your hook is for your game, which answers the question of why would people want to play this and, and who would want to play it is a good question to ask too. Um, so, you know, you used to have an elevator pitch you used to have 30 seconds, but you know attention spans are not what they once were, especially online. So you get like one tagline. What is your tagline? Make sure it's amazing. Make sure it explains what the game is. And it just needs to be good enough for someone to want to learn more. Yeah. Um, so drinking quest, it's only ever been, it's a drinking RPG. It's a drinking game and a tabletop RPG. And I've just used that same line forever. And that's worked, you know, pretending to grown up was, uh, it's a game for grown ups who feel like they're pretending. Um, you know, your friend is sad a game where you're trying to cheer up a sad friend. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be, you know, big or flashy. It just needs to say what the game is. If it's clever, that's great. But clever is secondary to descriptive. I feel like. Yeah. Um, so whatever your game is, you know, it's, uh, you know, maybe the person who makes that hardcore real cheese making simulation, you know, a cheese making simulation, you know, well researched, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know, whatever it could be, um, you know, so so have a good hook um, and then know who you would be selling it to, who would reasonably buy this game that you're making um, and then come up with a plan to to reach them. Uh, but don't put all your eggs in one basket, too. It's uh, when I started out, I, I my plan was very different than what it turned into. So I mentioned that you know, I online ads took off right away. Um But my original plan was to just, uh, I was going to cold call individual comic and gaming shops and see if they wanted to buy my game. In retrospect, that would have been a terrible idea uh, (laughs) because they they only deal with a few distributors. They don't want the hassle of dealing with some individual guy in his basement kind of thing, right? So it's, um, you you know, things like that. So so make a plan that has, you know, a bunch of different things that you're going to do. You know, are you going to reach, how are you going to reach people online at conventions? Um, Is there a distribution strategy? If you're brand new, that might be difficult um but you know if uh you know if you're going to conventions and you're making industry contacts and you know someone from a distribution company that that could be helpful that that's after being funded though sure um board game geek is a very popular site for board games i've almost never used it at all and especially for promotion i've (laughs) advertised on there a couple of times but in general because of the nature of the games i do they're uh you know they're casual comedy games and board game geek is for like hardcore games and there's there's a very set kind of mindset of what is a good game on Board BoardGameGeek? Uh, and it's just never been a great fit for me. But that being said, for probably most other games, it would be. Um, so, you know, build a community there. Let people know what you're doing in advance. Um, up until Cheese Factory, actually, I went a long time where I just basically surprise launched every game. Where it's like, oh, I'm launching a Kickstarter tomorrow. Like, I might keep it general and give a bit of a hint, but I'll, I'll just launch. But what you're supposed to do is build up the hype ahead of time. <laughs> Uh, Kickstarter added, it's not even that new of a feature, but I think a couple years ago, they added something where you can, uh, you know, you can put in your email address and be notified the day of yeah. launch. That—that That is a great feature. So that's why I started doing that with, uh, with cheese factory. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a tracking link you can put for things like that and you can know how well it works. So that that's really interesting too. Uh, so build up the hype ahead of time, uh, you know, build up a, a mailing list and, you know, get people signing up for that early email link. Um. You know, post on Reddit, you know, social media, wh- wherever it makes sense for the the theme of what you're doing. Uh, try and build a community ahead of time. So, you know, no one's ever heard of you the day that you're launching sort of thing.
0: No more surprises. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: When I was looking at this page, the one thing that did surprise me is that there was no video, right? Like you have your the campaign video at the top, but in the body of the campaign, no video
1: yeah that, it shocked me it was a, was yeah, a that... technical reason uh okay so, so there's I, I ended up doing a thrown together gameplay video on one of the updates yeah um but it was just uh the the guy putting it together had some issues and then Once the campaign starts, you're just busy all the time. Yeah, and uh, we just didn't get around to to putting it. So I hope I described it well enough on the page, and you know, there's a rule book link and everything. Uh, But I haven't had people asking for it, so I I hope I've done a good enough job of uh, kind of explaining the whole thing.
0: You know, it 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 makes me question convention, right? Because if someone was to show me uh, a page um, that didn't have a video, and and said, "Guess how this is going to fund?" Not in a million years would I say, "Oh, they're going to hit," you know. Five yeah, figures.
1: Well, there's like an overview video at the top. that's kind of funny, but it's yeah. not like, you know, here's four people playing the game kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but,
0: uh, but that makes me rethink things to say, well, maybe, maybe you don't need that. Or maybe you can strip things down. And this is constantly what I'm working on in various campaigns I've been running over the years is, you know, do you, I've done one where I've threw everything with the kitchen sink in there. I had like sure. more videos than I could put on the page. Right. I actually had some yep. of content creators saying, how come my video is not on there? I'm like, I've got like 20 videos on there. I don't, I got to now cycle through the different people that have videos so I can actually put them on the page. I, I
1: know that feeling of sometimes yeah. you feel like you're doing every single thing that you can. Yeah. And sometimes the number just doesn't budge.
0: And that and was the case. It, when
1: it, I could, it's just out of your hands sometimes. Like yeah. And just, I
0: compare it to the prior campaign where I didn't do that. I had less videos. So then it's like, okay, is it is less is more. And you know, so you're constantly going through the struggle trying to, really look at the data, right? And I think that's kind of the key yeah. learning here as well, uh, which you guys are clearly, and I like the words, the business plan, right? So you articulate yeah. that very well is, you know, you can do everything and get a lot of feed, but if you're not if you're not collecting that data and then actually looking at the data, analyzing it, then it's very tough for you to learn and then employ those learnings on your next iteration, right? So yeah. if anything I'd say to people is, it's, it, you know, collect the data, right? Collect as much data as you can kickstarter has tags as you said right when you launch your kickstarter campaign.
1: has a lot of great tools for data game
0: found so. does as well game found one of the cool things about game found uh, and again i think i have opinions on there are the types of games that belong on game found but if you are game found you can create those tags even before the campaign even launches right so you can tag create 100 tags if you want every single iteration thing you do you attach a tag to it so then at the when the campaign is complete, you can see where all those pledges came from. So it's okay. very, very helpful for you if you're going to launch more than one game. Yeah. To start saying, okay, where am I going to focus my funds? You know, this thing over here, I spent a lot of money on, I had zero impact. This other thing, I spent a little bit of money, but it seemed to have pretty good impact for the dollar. So maybe I'll put more funds next time over here. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just key to kind of keep uh, post gaming, for lack of a better word, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, the The tracking links are so effective to see if ads are, are working correctly. Um, you know, because if the money you're getting back is more than you're putting in ads, that's a good sign. But then, how many people are you know knowing about the game and then just searching for it, and then you don't see that tracking link too? so it's it's always it's always tricky because you have as complete of, of data as you could probably get, but yeah. it's uh, there's there's still a little bit of instinct and guesswork in no matter what you do. Um, but you know, just keep learning and trying to get better. I, I guess is the point. So
0: it's an interesting comment you actually made there too, because it makes me think of like um, services like Jellop or uh, BackerKit, right? Which are social media amplification companies. And I mean, you could be paying fifteen to twenty percent of the pledge value um, for the every pledge they bring in, and often people look at that and say, "Wow, that that's a really high number. That that's too high. You know, I, I can't afford that." but what they're not realizing is they're only charging you on pledges that they can directly link. So somebody actually clicked on their link yep. and, and, and made a purchase. If if they come back the next day and said, you know, I thought about it. I want to buy this game and they just search it and find it themselves and buy it. It doesn't count towards that to that, um, backer kit or, or gel Ops. So, that percentage has to be high because what they're doing is accounting for all the pledges they've likely brought in that they yep. can't even track.
1: Right. So percent isn't even that high. I don't know. I feel uh, like that's, that's, that's still pretty good. That's uh, and they, they, I, I see their ads all the time and uh, I, I haven't used gel up yet, but yeah. I talked with them recently and they're like, Oh, uh, would you like to use this for this new campaign? And uh, you know, I, I looked into it a little bit, but I was pretty busy and I, I didn't, you know, that happens yeah. with a lot of things where, Oh, I'd like to do this, but then I don't for whatever reason. Um, but I looked at it and I'm like, uh, you know, I, I know how to do ads. I'll do my ads for this one, but maybe yeah. the kind of they're
0: thing. great. Even backer kit, even if you're not using them and they, in, I mean, both these companies want to deal with higher budgets, right. Uh, in, in advertising promotional spend, but even if, if you're not, having a lot of money dump into, to advertising, I would still recommend going to even a site like BackerKit. They've got a ton of tools on there that you can use for free that, to explain things and give you tips and, and tricks on how you can improve the efficiency of your campaign. And as uh, well, worth even checking out, even if you're not going to use, you know, the pledge manager or, or even their, their larger services. So um, yeah. with the number of games that you've launched, clearly, as you said, you've got two coming a year. can you can you tease what the next game like what's the next title coming are you allowed to say yeah
1: yeah yeah um all right so it's a it's another webcomic team up with uh cassandra comics So this game leans a little more female it's about like relatable day-to-day life it's called um uh self careless so it's a it's a take on self-care and you're trying to find a life balance so cassandra comics she does like a four panel gag strip and it's relatable humor it's very funny but her illustration style is like weirdly beautiful. It's like the line work is, is like incredible to look at, yeah. but it's incredibly funny at the same time. Uh, so it's like, okay. Um, you know, when I, when I did that game with Shen, your friend is sad. We had 32 guest comics from other creators. And I asked Shen, I'm like, who would you like me to, to get on for a, a comic guest? And uh, he said his first thing was Cassandra comics. And it's like, oh, okay. I hadn't heard of her. So I looked her up and I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, this is good. She's got a big following. Okay, great, you know? And so I've been reading her stuff, and then, um, you know, her, her manager reached out, and I'm like, I, I would like to do this. And uh, so, yeah, we're we're doing a game about uh, life balance, and it's one to two players. So, um, you know, if you're feeling stressed about life and you need to, you know, get your head into a place where you need to organize things, um, you know, sit down for 15 minutes, play this game, you know, play with a second player, and, you know, it's joke per card. It's very light, very breezy, um, and it'll be like a low cost, like uh, entry-level card game sort of thing.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And when is that launching? When's that coming in?
1: That'll be October.
0: In October. Wow. Jason, I just want to wish you uh, the the best of success with this campaign, Cheese Factory. For people who want to check it out, again, we're in the final two days. I'm putting a link directly in the show notes. Uh, Certainly, if you go to Kickstarter and just type in Cheese Factory, you'll find it. But if you want the quick link that'll be in our, our show notes, check it out. Looks like a lot of fun. And maybe in October, we'll get you back with uh, Cassandra Comic. We'll get her on the uh, on the podcast and uh, have you guys back for uh, the next game.
1: Hey, that'd be awesome. Yeah, sounds like a lot of fun.
0: Take care. Cheers.
1: Thank you. This has been an episode of
0: the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.